0: We sang a hymn this morning entitled Jesus is All I Wish or Want. Just want to read those words again. Jesus is all I wish or want. For him I pray. I thirst. I pant. Let others after earth aspire. Christ is the treasure I desire. Possessed of him, I ask no more. He is an all-sufficient store. To praise him, all my powers conspire. Christ is the treasure I desire. If he his smiling face but hide my soul has no comfort beside. Distressed, I after him inquire, "Christ is the treasure I desire." And while my heart is racked with pain, Jesus appears and smiles again. Why should my Savior thus retire Christ? is the treasure I desire. Come humble souls and view his charms. Take refuge in his loving arms and sing while you his worth admire. Christ is the treasure I desire. May that be every heart cry this morning. May that be the reason we're here this morning may that be the reason that we exist if somehow I could do something this morning to burn that into every heart that's why we're here that's why we exist Some verse, the verses from Titus that was read this morning in regard to our hope of eternal life. And these God is God is designed to share that, God is designed to spread that by the preaching of the gospel. And that is why we're here this morning. It's fallen my lot to stand before you and I'm not going to pretend that I'm not scared and nervous. I'm not the type of person that likes to be up in front of people. But what I fear more than faces or eyes upon me this morning is I fear God. I fear his holiness. I fear the responsibility to give only him glory this morning. So please. Pray that the words I speak would only be for his glory. We're going to turn to James chapter number 2. Beginning in verse number 14, we'll read verses 14 through 26. What does the prophet, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith... And have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. See how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see, then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, as a title for the message this morning is Faith That You Can See. Faith That You Can See. <clears throat> if you want to take the title, write down straight out of the scripture, Faith Without Works Is Dead. <clears throat> as a preview this morning to lay lay. A foundation for the message, I want to ask a question first. And that is what proclamation of faith can save anyone? What proclamation of faith, proclaiming of faith, statement, what? The proclamation alone, the statement alone. What what statement can save anyone? The Lord willing will do an overview of these verses and Split this into two and later come back and look at these verses again. But in laying the foundation for what these verses have to say to us, we need to turn back to Ephesians chapter number 2 for a moment. Beginning in verse 8, the scripture says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath foreordained that we should walk in them. So notice, by grace are you saved. That's an important phrase. Not of yourselves. Another important phrase. It is a gift of God. Another important phrase in those verses. Not of works. Why why not of works? Lest any man should boast. Lest we should take glory in those works. No man can can glory. He says, we are his workmanship. Not not our own. We are created in Christ Jesus. All, All of this must first be understood before we can understand what... James is saying in James chapter number two. So look what he says there. By grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the means that God uses to bring us to grace. Then he goes on to say unto good works. Why? Why? What, What is the purpose that God has for us? As he brings us to faith, it is unto good works that we should walk in them, as he says there in verse number 10. God has foreordained this. So not only are we saved unto good works, but he says that we are to walk in them. We are to continue in them. This is not a a one and done. It's a... is a lifetime process that God will bring us to and take us through throughout this life on earth. So turning back to James chapter 2, I want to go over an outline of these verses and then we'll look at a few other points. So what is faith without works? We see that in verse number 14. What is faith without works? We see the question that comes up in verse 14. As we look at verses 15 and 16, we see the answer. Faith without works is foolishness and false religion. And we're given an example of that there in verses 15 and 16. Second point faith without works is dead. We see that three times in these verses. In verse number 17, in verse number 20, and verse number 26. In just these few sets of verses, God found is important enough that he mentions it to us three times that faith without works is dead. <clears throat> number three, work or works reveal or declare or testify, whatever word helps you picture it better, it reveals, declares, testifies of our faith. We find that in verse 18. A few sub-points to that is that belief is not good enough. Even the devils believe in verse number 19. Head knowledge is not salvation as we see that from the same verse. Third works is You've heard the saying, the proof is in the pudding. Works is proof in the pudding. And we see that in verse number 21. And we're given the example of Abraham. And then works is the perfection of faith that we find in verse 22. Fourth, God rewards action. We see that in verse 23. Number five, God proves justification. I'm sorry, works prove justification in verse 24. <clears throat> it's not without faith, but it's not just by faith, by words only. Again, the devils believe and tremble. So there is the result that comes from true faith. It's not by faith in and of itself. <clears throat> We're also given another example of this in, in, of Rahab in verse 25. <clears throat> and then the last point, number six, dead faith is no faith at all. We find that in verse 26. <clears throat> so works alone is not the way. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to our Heavenly Father. The only way. Not, not by faith and words alone. By grace, again, the verses that we looked at in Ephesians chapter 2. By grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. I th- I th- uh, think of Hebrews chapter 11. We can <clears throat> turn a few pages back in your Bible To Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith is important. It is key. That's what James is saying here. James is trying to point out to us and help us understand the balance of faith and works in our lives. Which both are equally important, as we'll see in these verses. But without faith, we cannot please God. But what what does this verse go on to say? It says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's that's not an option. He said you must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there, there are several factors to this it doesn't stop with belief alone in words we must diligently seek after him what did Jesus say but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that should be our first priority every morning when we wake up and our feet hit the floor our one and only goal should be to seek God first and For our lives to portray as as mirrors of Jesus Christ. We must diligently seek him. Faith in words alone does not portray that. It takes work. Here Here James is explaining that faith alone is not... Just the way uh, is not the way alone. Just because we say it doesn't mean anything. You can believe in God, you can believe in the Bible, you can believe in yourself, you can believe in others, good people, good things. You can have a a good moral compass. Self righteousness comes in at this point. You can believe what's right in your own eyes, etc., etc. And yes, God and the Bible is good. But if your belief in that lies in words alone, that's not good enough. And that's why he says here, the devils believe. They not only believe, they believe in trouble. There's a little, I read it as a little sarcasm uh, really coming from James here. You you believe, well, good good for you, the devils believe. And they believe well enough that they fear and tremble. They know what their end is going to be. Do we know what, do you know what your end is going to be this morning? You must believe faith and belief that the Scripture is referring to and that is required for salvation is a belief that Jesus' blood was shed for you to cover your sins, to be quickened and made alive in His own goodwill and pleasure not anything that we've done or can do or will do, but of His goodwill and pleasure. But our belief must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, that my sins put Him there. The suffering, the pain, the shame that the Son of God came down to earth to bear. Why? Why? Because of my sins. His blood was shed to cover my sins. You have to own that. You have to know that. To a point is if no one else existed. Your sins put the Lord Jesus Christ the son of God on the cross. That is the faith that is referred to in the scripture that is saving faith. Not just in words alone. This is the faith and the results of this will be obedience to his word and goodwill. That is good works toward mankind. What did Jesus say? We're to love our neighbor as our own self. We're to be a doer of the word as we've already covered here from James, we're to be ministers of the gospel. Ministers of the gospel. If if you are saved, if you proclaim uh, to know Christ as your savior, you are a child of God. You are a minister of the gospel. It's not just a preacher or a missionary or a teacher. um, We are all ministers of the gospel if we are children of God. For what? Unto good works. As we've already read from the scripture, you will deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. It's not an option. It's it, it's not going to be something that um, is a, is a grind for us or something that's difficult. Or I, I don't want to. Do, I'm, I'm going to do this. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because I just I just have to. It's, it's what I know I'm supposed to do. No, that's. You need to make your calling and election sure. If that's your attitude, that's your thought process, good works, our, requi- our, our response to be obedient, to be doers of the word, to be ministers of the gospel, it should flow freely. This is what James is talking about. It is an automatic response to the work that God started in our heart. When we are quickened, we are made alive. He... He gives us the ability to have the faith necessary to receive eternal life. And when that faith happens, as it says here in the verse, um, I think it was in the uh, verse 23 of James chapter 2 re- regarding Abraham. It was imputed unto him for righteousness. True faith, it, it gains you righteousness it, it puts us in Christ and Christ in us we are complete in him as the scripture says because of God's because God first loved us of his will of his grace so you will daily deny yourself take up your cross and follow Jesus it's part of It's part of taking up your cross is serving others, loving your enemies, doing good to those who treat you wrong, turning the other cheek, meekness, humility, a life of servitude. Someone said something that hurts your feelings? There's a a process for that. But immediately, our response should be to love them, to pray for them. I mean, even, if our, even our enemies were instructed to love our enemies. <clears throat> Do good. <clears throat> I was on the way to work the other morning. This is, this is a news. I'm, I'm a very observant person, so I, I see things we drive down the road. Anyway, there, there's a, a new sign, a handmade sign that was posted by the interstate. I saw it just a couple of days ago, heading up 75 on the way to work. And it said... Um, it said, just say, I believe in Jesus and I repent of my sins. Well, while I was happy to see a sign referring to Jesus, that someone took the time to make and to post, and I hope that, I'm not saying that God can't use that sign to get someone's attention, and I pray that he does. But, you know, not knowing who posted or what their intentions were or what they think, when they faith alone is not good enough. Ever how many people drive up, the, uh, up that interstate and read that sign and repeat those words, I can assure you that they won't go to heaven because they repeated the words on that sign because of what we understand from cover to cover in the scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's no contradiction within the covers of God's word. There's a balance, and that's what James is explaining to us here in chapter number two. We must. What that sign did not go on to say is that our heart must be changed. We must turn away from our sins. We must walk in Christ daily as we serve others. It, we're not one and done. It doesn't mean anything unless there's an evidence that Christ is in our heart and in our lives. What did 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 say? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. What does always mean? It means all the time. Always. Even the very youngest in in here can understand what always means. We're to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not when we feel like it. Not when we're at church. Not when we're around our Christian friends. What about the other friends? What about the What about someone you're around that doesn't show fruits of the Spirit, that shows conforming to the ways of the world, saying things they uh, shouldn't, listening to things they shouldn't? We are to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. We should guard ourselves from temptations. We don't get a day off. You don't get a break. It's not like a, na- a night away from the kids. I mean, you know, if, if you've got young kids, it's nice to have someone, you know, watch after them every now and then and get a night away from the kids, right? It's not like that. <clears throat> we, don't a, we don't get a moment away from our responsibility as a Christian. You don't hang it in the closet like a jacket. It's not a spare, spare tire, As a true believer, this is your new skin. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. You are complete in him. We must be transformed, not, we must not be conformed to this world. We must not act like the world, look like the world, and do the things that the world do. We are placed in this world to be a light and a witness and a testimony of what God has done in our heart, of what true faith is. Don't allow yourself to be conformed. Protect yourself by hiding God's word in your heart. By obeying his commandments, by following in his footsteps, by denying yourself daily, taking up whatever cross God has given you to bear and following him, no matter how difficult that path may be. We must prove what is our reasonable service as Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says. We must prove it. Make your calling and election sure. It is your reasonable service. If you just think that because you have faith verbally that God's blessings are just going to fall from the sky while you sit on your hands, you're sadly mistaken. Likewise, if you think that You can provide for yourself and you don't need any help, anyone else's help, including God's, or that you can do it your own way. You are also badly and sadly mistaken. We cannot do it by ourselves, in our own strength. We didn't get up and go to work every day. How are you going to pay your bills? Yes, our faith and trust should be in God. But we get up and we go to work. To earn money to pay our bills. Same thing with insurance. I mean, you have insurance. You have health insurance because why? You don't trust in God? Of course you trust in God. But same Same as reasons that we go to work, earn money, pay our bills. We have health insurance, some people do, to cover the catastrophes that God may allow to happen in our lives. It doesn't mean that we don't have faith in Him. It doesn't mean that we don't believe that He's going to provide. We are fulfilling our responsibilities That's the faith and the works. It goes together. We believe, I believe that God is going to provide all of my needs. And that's the only reason my needs are met is because of him who gives me the ability to get up every morning. Why do I wake up? Why do I have the strength to go to work every day? Why does God give me the mental capacity to fulfill my job and to do it well? That is his blessings. That is his grace. Therefore... I can earn a paycheck and pay my bills. And the same is for you. I believe that God will uh, provide, but I put forth the work to make it happen. That's what he's called us to do. We do that physically, and we must do that spiritually. flip side of the same coin is, is, if I get up every day and go to work, and I'm like, I can do this. this is, I, I, don't, I don't need anybody else's help. I don't need God's help. I, I've got this. I'm strong enough. I'm good enough. Lord, help us. It's like the oars in a boat. You get in a boat. <clears throat> you get from one point to another. If you're using oars you got to have both of them. You're not going to make it cross the lake without both oars. You can row with all your might on one side of that boat, and you're not going to get across. You can put that oar down, and you can pick up the other one, and you can row with all your might with that other oar, and you're not going to get across unless you take up both oars. That's faith and works. That's the way God's designed it. We must have faith. It is essential to our salvation, but the results of that faith in our life is that works will flow forth, good deeds and examples of Christ in us will flow forth. It can also be compared, you know, when we think we can do everything in and of ourselves. And I've found myself in this place before, thinking I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and and working hard and working harder and and then work some more in a few more hours and a little bit longer in another day. And it still is not going to work out if my eyes are not on Christ, if I don't believe that he is my sole provider. It won't work. Uh, The passage in the Old Testament that talks about putting money in the bags with holes in it, it's just going to flow right out right out. Like sand through your fingers, you won't be able to keep it together. You won't be able to keep yourself together or your family together, and you won't get your bills paid no matter how many hours you put in, no matter how much money you make. It'll come up short. It will come up short unless our eyes are on Him and our faith is in Him. It's about the balance. Our Only when our lives are perfectly balanced in the grace of God will we be able to lift our heads. We'll set out with faith and we'll work and work and work. And even when we don't fully know or understand, we will continue in faith, step by step, believing that God is going to provide and he is going to give us away. And that's what he did for the children of Israel. Even even at night, with the fire by night, pillar of cloud in the day, we can see it over and over. And as Abraham is mentioned here in these verses, that's exactly what Abraham did. He set out. When, he, when, when God called him and he set out and he left the land where he was living in, both in the Old Testament and the, and the New Testament, um, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 and Hebrews 11 and verse 8, is indicated Abraham did not know where he was going. When he left home, he did not know where he was going, but he knew that God was calling him, and he left home. He set out on his way. That is faith and works. Abraham believed that God was calling him and directing him, and he set out. But a balance is that as Isaac went on the altar, Abraham did not follow through with that knife plunged into him. We need to have zeal, we need to have enthusiasm, we need to have passion. Because what God has done, what He has wrought in our lives is great. And He set us on a path to eternal glory with Him. But we must be sensitive to the voice of God. Because God wanted to see Abraham's faith come out in his works. But he spoke to him and said, don't kill Isaac. There's a ram. We must balance our zeal and our passion and our enthusiasm with being sensitive to the still, small voice of God or else we will kill Isaac. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the voice of God. The whole chapter of Hebrews 11 describes By example, what James is saying about the faith, it was followed by the works. We're not going to take the time to go through that chapter, but it names many, many heroes of faith, the hall of faith. And every one of them, it says, by faith, by faith. But if you go on to read about what it says about every one of them, you will find example of works. By faith, they set out, but they worked to perform. the will of God and in and through their lives. Without faith, there would be no works. Had there been no works, there would have been no faith. Again, James chapter 1 verse 22 says, we're to be a doer of the word, not hearers only. That's deceiving our own self. No matter how much faith you proclaim, it must be followed by being a doer of the word and by fulfilling God's will for your life. In a summary challenge this morning all ages, men, women, boys and girls what does your life of servitude look like? What kind of fruit is hanging on your branches? Is there any evidence of Christ in your life? In Second Peter, chapter number, uh, chapter uh, one, Second Peter one. Begin reading in verse five, and and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see far off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, For if you do these things, you will never fall. There's the perseverance. There's there's the getting across the lake. There is the fulfillment of God's will in our life. But have you forgotten that you were purged from your old sins? What does he mean by that question? You can't forget work that God has done in your lives if you can forget if you can't follow through if you don't make it to the other side you were never saved you never had true faith that's the faith that is being warned about that's in words only that's only a verbal faith you cannot forget that you were purged from your old sins you can't give up it's every day every day every moment We must not forget why he said to make your calling in election sure is in verse 10 there. <clears throat> no one can do it for you. You must do it for yourself. Your parents can't save you. Your children can't save you. Your pastor can't save you. We must give diligence, as he says. What does give diligence means? to be earnest? To be purposeful, to be intent, to be constant, give diligence. And to add to your faith. So it doesn't end at faith. You must add to your faith. All of these things that were just mentioned there in these verses of 2 Peter. It takes work. You will not, he says in verse 5-8 there, you will not. Be spiritually barren or unfruitful. Again, give diligence to add to your faith all of these things virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. Lord knows we all need so much of this godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. If you do these things, you will never fail. As we see in verse 10. We must persevere. We must make it to the other side. So lastly, I want to mention three reasons. Among many possible reasons. Three reasons why these verses were given to us. First of all, to examine your own selves. This morning, do you have true faith? True, eternal faith? Examine your own self. Second, to challenge others to do the same. Not as judges. No man can judge but God. But you could call it fruit inspectors. Holding each other accountable. Challenging each other to stay strong, to stay steady. And third, to know and understand more about the work that God has begun to do. In us, Which goes back to the hymn that we sang and, and, and read. Jesus is all I want or wish. I want to know more about him. I want to know as much as I possibly can. In this life, we're never going to come close to knowing everything about God and understanding him. You know, I was thinking, this morning even, when we are in eternity with him, And beholding all the things that we're beholding. I cannot begin to imagine that. And seeing so much of his glory. I don't even know then that we're going to know the fullness of God. I don't know. He may allow us to see that much. as, As eternal beings made perfect with him. But today, in this life. I want to know as much as I possibly can know about him. To be as close as I possibly can to him. And to share that with others. To do whatever I can. To help others know and feel the same thing. The Apostle Paul said, if I could give my life to save my people, I would do it. But God has his people. He's called them. We need to... Guard ourselves daily. I want to know more. I want to hunger and thirst. Like finding precious jewels every day as we go through his word. Do you you have this longing and desire? If not, make your calling and election sure. Do you bear fruit? If not, make your calling and election sure. Do you have the character traits mentioned here in 2 Peter? If not, make your calling and election sure. This is the balance that James is talking about here in chapter 2. Do you have faith? Can your faith be seen? Is your faith dead or alive? And yes, there's a difference, as we saw in three different verses, 17, 20, and 26 in James chapter 2. Is your faith dead or alive? Do you have true faith? If your answer to these questions, if you answer these questions positively, then your life should be overflowing with good works in Christ Jesus. And that's what James is encouraging us here. To have lives where good works overflow and abound and point others to Christ.